Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to begin reading in verse 9. Again, we're focusing on verses 11 to 13. But uh, reading from the beginning, the Lord's Prayer. Stand with me, please, out of honor to God and His Word. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This is our third look at the Lord's Prayer. We started... Uh, three weeks, actually four weeks ago, and then that was part one, then part two, now we're on part three. And something I had uh, done is told you that when children are learning this prayer, they learn it maybe at home, they learn it in Sunday school, sometimes they don't hear it quite right, and they don't uh, say it quite right, and I shared with some, some of those to you, but from this section I want to show you, show you some more things that children heard but they didn't hear right. For instance, one child said he thought it was, give us this day our jelly bread, our jelly bread which is kind of nice that I'm preaching on this today because Gary Boston brought me a biscuit today from McDonald's. And I had some jelly over there in the White House, and I put jelly on that biscuit. And so I didn't have jelly bread, but I had jelly biscuits, so same difference. Some translations of the Bible, instead of saying debts or sins, it says trespasses. But one child didn't hear this quite right, but it sounds very intuitive. Forgive us our trash passes as we forgive those who pass trash against us. This is my favorite. This kid had a, must have had an Aunt Lita. So her name was Lita, Aunt Lita. And he prayed, Aunt Lita's not into temptation. <laughs> Which is a good thing, that Aunt Lita would not be into temptation. A kind of a modern bent on this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us some email. And when you get to the conclusion of the prayer, this person, this child really, really didn't catch it, didn't get it right. She prayed, for mine is the kingdom, the flower, and the jewelry. So let's look at the Lord's Prayer, part three. Uh, by way of review, the first time we looked at the direction of our prayer. How are we to direct our prayer? And the direction is to be our, to our holy, heavenly Father. And then we began to look at the petition when we began to ask God for things. Uh, we talked about thy kingdom come. And we talked about how God has a physical kingdom. In fact, Jesus will rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. But he also has a spiritual kingdom. And that's in the hearts of every single person that is a believer. And now we get to, excuse me, then we talked about thy will be done. And we talked about the Greek word will there is actually wish. And that really changes our understanding of this whole passage. And now today we get to the additional petition, and that is give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. When we pray that, we acknowledge our total dependence on God for all of our physical needs, not just food. Now, Jesus is talking about food here. He mentions daily bread. And certainly back in the first century when Jesus was teaching this prayer, these people didn't know where their next meal was coming from. Uh, they didn't have cupboards and freezers full of food. They didn't know. Oh, if they were going to have something to eat later on that day. And so they had to acknowledge their dependence on God. But even so today, we must acknowledge our total dependence on God for all of our physical needs, not just food. And the good news is that God has promised to meet the needs of his children. Look what Jesus says here in Matthew 6:33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, we can claim this promise as his children, but we must 
uphold our end of this verse. Notice God says, I'm going to meet all your needs. But what does he say first? You've got to seek the kingdom. You've got to seek his righteousness. Asking helps keep us humble. When we go to God daily and we ask him to meet our daily needs, that helps keep us humble. But maybe you're thinking, Brother Gary, if I don't pray, won't it come anyway? I mean, doesn't God bless unbelievers who don't pray at all? Indeed, look what Jesus teaches in Matthew 5, 44. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Now, these are unbelievers. They are not asking. They are not praying. And God is blessing them anyway. So why do I need to pray? Because it's going to come anyway. And God helps unbelievers and they don't pray. Anyway, Brother Gary, as you mentioned earlier, I have cupboards full of food. I have freezers full of food. I have a refrigerator full of food. Why do I need to ask God to provide when all I got to do is just go open the thing and start eating? Well, let me ask you. From where did that food originate? Oh, the store. Where did the store get it? Well, from the farmer. Where did the farmer get it? From God. God. Remember this, one of prayer's designs is to be an act of humility. So when you and I go to God on a daily basis, even though we know we have cupboards and cabinets and freezers and refrigerators full of food, when we go to him on a daily basis, we acknowledge we are totally dependent on him. And we are saying, all that food that I have in my kitchen, Lord, is because of you. I need you. And then Jesus moves on to the next position, uh, petition. And that is forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that sinned against us. Now there was a minister who parked his car in a no parking zone downtown because he was running late. He put a note under his windshield that said, quote, I have circled this block ten times trying to find a parking space. If I don't park here, I will miss my appointment. Forgive us our trespasses. When the minister returned from his appointment, he found a ticket from the police officer along with this note. Quote, I've circled this block for 10 years. If I don't give you a ticket, I'll lose my job. Lead us not into temptation. (laughs) But Jesus says, forgive us our sins. For we also forgive those who've sinned against us. We're all sinners. Romans 3.23 makes it very clear. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And every sin is ultimately against God. Yes, we sin against each other. We sin against God. But ultimately every sin is against God. David, King David, uh, had a terrible uh, sin that he committed against multiple people. Against Uriah, against Bathsheba. He broke four of the Ten Commandments. Uh, He really messed up. But in Psalm 51, when he writes out his psalm of repentance, in verse 4, he says this, Lord, against you and you only have I sinned. Because no matter what we do to each other, ultimately our sin is against God. But thankfully, God has provided payment for sins through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And God has promised to forgive all our sins. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we can claim that promise as believers in Jesus. 
Would we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that Jesus was buried for our sins, that Jesus rose again from the dead for us? When we truly believe and receive that, we can claim that promise to be forgiven of all of our sins. And we love that. We love to be forgiven. We love the grace of God. But also we promise in this prayer to forgive others as well. Now we're not too keen on that. Because there are some people that have wronged us. There are some people that have hurt us. There are some people that have been mean to us. And we love to talk about how God has forgiven me. But we don't want to read the rest of this verse. It says, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. We promise to forgive others as well. Everyone, not just some. We promise to forgive everyone who has sinned against us. Think about this. What if God forgave most of our sins but not all? As I was telling the children. If he said, well, I'm going to take care of the big stuff and the little stuff, you know, that's on you. Or I'm going to take care of the little stuff and the big stuff, that's on you. Or what if, like I said in the illustration, God forgave all of our sins except just one. And it was little. Uh, You were five years old. You stole a piece of gum from the store. Nobody ever knew. That will keep you out of heaven. One Little, tiny sin. It is the nature, not the requirement of believers to forgive others. It is our nature, our new nature, to be forgiving. And please never think that God rewards our forgiveness with his forgiveness. It kind of seems that way. Look back to verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It sounds like, when you read it, it sounds like it's saying... Well, Lord, as I forgive John, you forgive me. As I forgive Bill, forgive me. As I forgive Sandy, forgive me. That's not what it says. Our forgiveness is contingent only on God's election and grace. Our forgiving others is not a requirement. It is a supernatural response. When you have been forgiven, supernaturally now you have a new nature, you forgive. And keep this in mind. Unforgiveness is evidence of an unchanged heart. Unforgiveness is evidence of an unchanged heart. I mentioned last week, not to this service because we were running late on time, but I mentioned early service that I wanted to give each of them a million dollars. I really did. But I told them I wasn't going to give them a million dollars. You know why? I don't have a million dollars. And for early service, I'd have to have 50 million dollars. But I don't have that either. You can't give away what you don't have. But we have been forgiven, and so we can give away forgiveness. And unforgiveness is evidence of an unchanged heart. We love to say, yes, I've been forgiven. God forgave me of all my sins. Love that. Don't forget the rest of the verse. As we forgive those who sinned against us. And then the last petition from this prayer, he says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, God does not cause temptation, uh, but he certainly allows it. In fact, James puts it this way in James 1.13, Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt anybody. But when we pray, lead us not into temptation, we are asking for help to overcome our own weaknesses. 
So when you're confronted with a situation, pray. When you're cut off in traffic and you want to curse or use some sort of hand motion, pray. When you see money on the desk or at school or at work and uh, nobody else is around and you want the money, pray. When you're tempted by a person of the opposite sex, pray. Lead us not into temptation. God, help me overcome my own weaknesses. But we're also praying, Lord, help me overcome Satan and his schemes. In fact, when you read verse 13 in the Greek, it says, deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. So we're not only asking God to help us with our own weaknesses, we're asking him to help us overcome Satan and his schemes. Hear me, my friends. Satan and demons are real, they are active, and they are powerful. But we often give them more credit than they deserve. Our theology today, our common theology, is affected by a comedian from the last generation named Flip Wilson. And he used to always say, the devil made me do it. And so we think we go through life, we make bad choices. We say, well, the devil made me do it. He's real, he's powerful, he's active. You give him too much credit. And by the way, don't forget, tonight, starting at 5 o'clock, we have a class about angels and demons. Billy Moore is going to be leading that back in one of the Sunday school rooms in the other section. Uh, You're all invited to be here to learn more about angels and demons. But we ask God, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. God is a delivering God. And so we see the direction. We see the petition. Thirdly, I want us to look at the veneration. The veneration. Notice what Jesus says here. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. God is the eternal king over all. He's the eternal king over the kingdom. What is the kingdom? Well, the physical universe, all the planets, all the stars, all the galaxy, whatever is out there, he is king over the physical universe. He's also king over the spiritual universe, which is in our hearts. We looked at this a couple weeks ago, Luke 17, 21. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. God is king over all the kingdom. He's king over all the power. God is all-powerful. God is omnipotent. There is nothing he cannot do except one thing. The Bible says God cannot lie. That means everything God says, everything recorded in his word, you can take to the bank. He can't lie. But he can do everything else. And all glory belongs to God. No one or no thing is more important than he is. And that is why God deserves all worship and praise. Not just Sundays, always. Because there's a lot of people that think that. Well, I go to church once a week, and I sing the hymns, and I pray the prayers, and I listen to the preacher. I give glory to God. I give praise to God. Okay, that's great. You do. He doesn't deserve it once a week. He doesn't deserve it just on Sundays. He deserves it 24-7. If you are awake, you need to be praising God. I want to take a detour from this prayer, though. As we looked at the direction, the petition, the veneration, I want to look at the omission. Something you may not have noticed before, this prayer, there's something missing. Thanksgiving is missing from this prayer. 
And when you think about it, Thanksgiving is the only aspect we're worthy to pray. We're not worthy to call out to God as our Holy Heavenly Father. We're not worthy to ask Him to meet our needs and deliver us from evil. Uh, We're not worthy to praise Him. The only thing of which we are worthy is to thank Him for all His blessings. That's it. And yet in this prayer, it's missing. I will say that thankfulness is assumed throughout this prayer, but it isn't stated. We can certainly be thankful that God is our Father. We can certainly be thankful that God is holy. We can certainly be thankful that God is ruling. We can certainly be thankful that God is providing. We can certainly be thankful that God is forgiving. We can certainly be thankful that God is delivering. But hear me, my friends. If you use this prayer exclusively and verbatim, you will never vocalize your thanks to God. And some people, this is their prayer life. Some people, they start their day or they end their day or maybe both by praying the Lord's Prayer. And they think they've done their duty. They've prayed their prayer. And so they must be okay. Remember, if you use this prayer exclusively and verbatim, you will never say thank you to God. Because it's missing. Uh, The translators didn't lose it. I'm not saying there's something wrong with God's word. I'm just saying it's not there. But giving God, giving thanks is the work of God. God makes his people thankful. And God has given his people so much for which to be thankful. It's the work of God. Not only that, thanksgiving is the way of God. When you read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and follow the life of Jesus, he was always thanking God the Father for stuff. So it's not only the work of God, it's the way of God. And in fact, Paul says that giving thanks is the will of God. Look here at 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So giving thanks is the work of God, it's the way of God, it's the will of God. But if you use this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, exclusively and verbatim, you will never be telling God, thank you. And thank you is the only prayer we are truly worthy of praying. Well, let's look finally at the conclusion. Jesus concludes this prayer with amen, the end of verse 13. I want you to understand that amen is not the send button on an email. Amen is not the arrow on a text message. I think we kind of think that way, that we say all these things, and then when we say amen, that's like pressing send. When we say amen, that's the arrow button, and we send God that text. That is not what it is. God hears us as we pray, not only after we finish. And God is always listening for his children. The word amen is a Hebrew term. It means so be it. But what you may not know is that God in both the Old Testament and the New Testament is known as the amen. Let me show you in Isaiah 65 and verse 16. Now, translators translated amen as truth. Uh, They didn't make a mistake. It's just what they did. So I put amen in brackets. But if you check the Hebrew, you'd see that it's amen. But Isaiah 65, 16 says that he who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of amen. And he that sweareth in the earth shall swear by the God of amen. And then fast forward to the New Testament, Revelation 3, 14, talking about Jesus. It says, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things set the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. 
And so amen means so be it. But amen is not the send button. When we say amen, whether we're praying this prayer or whatever prayer it is you pray, when we say amen, we are confirming everything we just said. So be it. Would you say amen? You say, Lord, everything I've just said, I mean it. So be it. But because God is the amen, we are also acknowledging who is hearing our prayer and who is able to act on it. Your prayer is not just going out into the ether somewhere. Your prayer is not just going to the center of the universe somewhere. Your prayer is not going to some idol somewhere. When you say amen, your prayer is going to the one and only true and living God, the God of the Bible. Now be careful what you pray. Because when you say amen, you're saying, so be it. I mean it. This is what I intended to say, God. And you're also acknowledging that he is the one to whom you are praying. And he is the one and the only one who can act on your prayers. And so we've looked at the direction of the prayers to our Holy Heavenly Father. We've looked at the petition, the five petitions that are in there. We've looked at the veneration. God is the eternal king over all. We looked at the omission. Thanks is missing. We looked at the conclusion. Amen. And now, just as before, I have questions for you. Question number one. Have you yet received God as your heavenly father, Jesus as your personal savior, and the Holy Spirit as your indwelling comforter? Have you? I asked you that the first time with the part one. I asked you that for part two. Have you received God as your heavenly Father, Jesus as your personal Savior, and the Holy Spirit as your indwelling comforter? You say, well, how do I do that? You believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins, that he was buried for your sins, and he rose again the third day. And when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you automatically receive God as your heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit as your indwelling comforter. Let me ask you again. Have you received God as your heavenly Father, Jesus as your personal Savior, and the Holy Spirit as your indwelling comforter? Question number two. Are you depending on God for your every need? Brother Gary, I don't need to. I got money in the bank. I got food in the cabinets. I got a freezer full. I don't need to depend on God. Yes, you do. Are you depending on God to meet your every need? Not just your food, your every need. Third question, have you been forgiven? And if you'd say yes, because we all say that. Oh, yeah, Jesus forgave me. Yeah, absolutely, I'm forgiven. Are you forgiving as a result? Wow. Preacher, you've gone from preaching to meddling. What's he say? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. If you are truly forgiven, you will forgive. You couldn't do it before. You couldn't. You didn't have the capacity. But now you've received forgiveness, you can forgive. Fourth question. Will you commit to spend some time in prayer each day? Will you today commit to spend some time in prayer each day? Whether it's the Lord's Prayer or some other prayer, you say, well, I'm busy, brother. You don't understand. I got kids. I got work. I got errands to run. You don't understand. 
I don't know if you remember when we first started this series. I told you prayers that are strong don't have to be long. Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer, 70 words. 70. Not 700, not 7,000. 70 words. You don't have time in your busy schedule to pray 70 words every day? Oh, yeah. Make it 73. Remember, there's no thanksgiving in the Lord's Prayer, so tack on to the end. Thank you, God. All right? You don't have time to pray 73 words? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And you need to. And I need to. So will you commit to spend some time in prayer each and every day? Use the Lord's Prayer. Use your own prayer. However God leads you, take time to pray. Jesus didn't go to all this trouble to teach us this model prayer for us to just ignore it or just to memorize it and go on. His point is to pray. Go back to verse 9. Look what he says. After this manner, pray. That's a command. Not a suggestion. Find a time. Find a place. Find the words. Pray. So as we conclude our look at the Lord's Prayer, we see the direction to our Holy Heavenly Father. We see the petition portion, the veneration, the omission, there's no thanks, the conclusion, amen. What more needs to be said? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for sending us your son who is the word. We thank you that he has taught us here how to pray. Now it's time for us to put this knowledge into practice. Be gracious to us, Lord. Help us find the time. Help us find the place. Help us find the words to pray. And Father, the hardest part about this prayer is the forgiving others part. But you've completely forgiven us so we can absolutely and completely forgive others. We may not forget, but we can forgive. And may we do so in Jesus' name.